Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. It's time for me to jump in to yet another one of my NRL 2022 season previews. I've jumped through over half the competition now, so you can go back and listen uh, if you'd like to see my preview for your team. I've got another seven to come, including this one. So what I'm going to do is before the end of February, I'm going to be pumping out seven season previews in seven days. So it's going to be quite a bit. It's going to take me uh, a lot of effort to get them all out on time, but I'm committed to it. I want to try and get out all seven remaining NRL season previews in the next seven days as we steamroll towards the start of the season. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into my Newcastle Knights podcast now, go through their coach, I will go through their captain, their X-Factor player, one to watch, their gains and losses, a few other things, and I will finish off by making my official prediction for where I think the Knights are going to finish this season on the ladder. I wish people would stop texting me during <laughs> uh, my recording, but let's continue. Now, if you enjoy what you hear today, please do make sure to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report, and please follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Rate it five stars if you like it. If you don't, fucking rate it one star. I don't know. Uh, but if you do like it, then yeah, the more you can support, the more it helps me to build and uh, grow, I guess, with this podcast. So I'm initially starting quite small. And then, yeah, I'm going to hopefully work my way up to bigger and better content and plenty of NRL content as well. So let's launch into this one. Newcastle Knights 2022 season preview. And I'm going to start with their coach, Adam O'Brien. Now, AOB spent a lot of time at the Melbourne Storm under Craig Bellamy, had a perfect apprenticeship to kind of prepare himself to become a head coach. Uh, then he spent a year at the Roosters. I do believe it was the season where they won the premiership. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I do think it was the second year that the Roosters won when they went back to back. So Adam, Bryan, Adam O'Brien, my apologies, was a part of that. And then when Nathan Brown was sacked as the Newcastle Knights coach a couple of years ago, Adam O'Brien was the name on everybody's lips. He was supposedly that next big coach coming through. The Knights got their man, and after a couple of seasons, I can't fault him. He's made the eight both years, so really that's been the goal, especially for the lean years the Knights had. They couldn't make the eight. They could literally not even get off the bottom of the ladder. So Adam O'Brien has done really well to get them into the finals both seasons. I rate him highly as a coach. I think he's the perfect man for the Knights going forward. Uh, and he's also got the help of Danny Baderis and Andrew Johns. So you couldn't ask for some better assistance in terms of getting this Knights squad to where they need to be. And Adam O'Brien, for me, he's the guy to take the Knights forward. I really like him. And hopefully for him, he can have a really good year. Moving on now to the captain. Just recently announced... Uh, and before I talk about the captain, I'm just going to say, in all the podcasts you may have heard, I do an X-Factor player. 
the one who's kind of going to win games in those make-or-break situations. Well, my X-Factor player for the Knights just happens to be the same man who was recently, as recently as like yesterday, announced as the new Newcastle Knights captain. That man is none other than KP, Callan Ponga. Could there be any other X-Factor player? He is the marquee player at the Knights. They are building this club around him in the hopes of winning a premiership. And with Mitchell Pearce leaving, there is no doubt in my mind the X-Factor player is Callan Ponga. Now, he's going to need a lot of help around him from his halves, Clifford and Clune. And we have seen Kurt Mann at lock doing a bit of ball playing, so I will get to that in a second. But this is the season for Callan Ponga to really stand up. He's obviously been an incredible talent. Everyone has high hopes for him and what he can achieve. And by what he's already achieved, he's already well on his way to becoming one of the all-time greats at the Newcastle Knights. So for Ponga, he really needs to inject himself. He is going to be at fullback. There were talks about moving him into the halves at some stage, but Ponga is committed to being the best fullback that he can possibly be. And this is the season. He's had a little while now. Uh, the team around him at times, it hasn't been, you know, a premiership contender. But this is Ponga's year. They have started to really build something at the Knights. They have guys like the Saifidi twins, Clemmer, Mitch Barnett, Tyson Frizzell, giving that quality go forward. And this is where Kellen Ponga really needs to pop up in attack. And he also needs to stand up a little bit more in defense for mine. So Kellen Ponga is the X-Factor player for the Knights. Could it be anyone else? No, I don't think it could. He's the one when that game is on the line and you're looking for something special. Ponga is absolutely the one who's going to come up with that play. Now, that's not to say we should expect Ponga to be winning games all on his own or that every time the game is on the line, let's throw the ball to Kellen. But it's his time. It really needs to be his year to stand up and say, I am that marquee player. We are going towards premiership. And yeah, that's it. I think Kellen Ponga... It's the biggest year and the biggest test of his career to date. He's still very young in his career as well, but it's kind of hitting that point now where he's gone from standout young prospect to an elite talent. So it's time for him to make that next step and be performing at a consistently elite level. That's coming from me, performing very inconsistently, not at an elite level, but that's just my opinion. I think Kalen Ponga, it is absolutely the year. It is not make or break for him by any stretch, but this is a really big year to, to kind of dictate where are the Knights heading? Are they on an upward trajectory or are they kind of staying where they are, a little bit stagnant, maybe even on the decline? So a lot of questions and Callum Ponga is going to need to stand up as the Knights X-Factor player this year and answer some of those questions. He will have some handy players though that can jump into fullback if Ponga goes down. Uh, now, one that comes to mind is Tex Hoy, but I'm, I'm wondering whether we're going to see Tex Hoy kind of trained in the halves for the preseason and whether we see him kind of be a backup six rather than a backup one. And if that is the case, well, each podcast you may know already, I do my one to watch, a young player to keep an eye on this season. Well, if Callum Ponga goes down, I tell you who could be a very handy replacement, and that is my one to watch. The Englishman, Bailey Hodgson. Now, he's still very young, but Hodgson is, I believe, a nephew of the Canberra hooker Josh Hodgson. And he played in England, was a standout young talent, along with Dominic Young, 
who's also at the Knights now. But to be honest, Dominic Young, I think he has a very high ceiling, but I think he does still have some work to go. Uh, every game I have seen him in at NRL level, whether that be trials or the limited game time he had last year, he is prone to mistakes and he's young and still developing. But for that reason, I couldn't make him my one to watch because I'm still not quite sure exactly where Dominic Young is as far as this season. But for Bailey Hodgson, I really like him. He's a quality, zippy, young fullback. If Ponga goes down, then they're absolutely going to need someone at fullback. And Bailey Hodgson can fill that role. He came over to the club from England last year, kind of with the aim of developing him up over time. And now Bailey Hodgson, I think he's ready to kind of start playing that fullback position for the Knights at New South Wales Cup level. And hopefully for Bailey, he can put his best foot forward and really press for a spot in their best 17. But of course, he is a natural fullback. There's only one fullback position, and that belongs to the captain. That belongs to the X-Factor player, Callan Ponga. But that doesn't make me any less a fan of Bailey Hodgson. And if he gets an opportunity this year, I think he'll take it with both hands. So my one to watch for the Newcastle Knights, keep an eye out for the young Englishman, Bailey Hodgson. Moving along now, and I just wanted to highlight uh, the left side partnership in the, on the center wing for the Knights in Bradman Best and Inari Tuala. And Tuala, in particular last year, I thought really developed and started to show some of the skills as to why the Cowboys initially had really high hopes for him. Now, Tuala, things didn't work out at the Cowboys. It did take a little while to get going at the Knights. His like, main position is center, but I really thought Tuala looked outstanding on that left wing last season. I'd like him to stay there. I know Edric Lee is still in the squad, probably trying to take that left wing position, but I thought Tuala was fantastic last year. He's still extremely young, as is Bradman Best. So in my opinion, that is the left side combination to keep. Tuala is quite a good finisher as well out on that wing. And that's really candy because Adam Clune, who's arrived at the club, Loves a cutout pass to the wing. When there's a winger unmarked, he's absolutely primed for sending his winger over. So I think that Adam Clune, Bradman Best, and Anari Tuala, along with maybe Mitchell Barnett, could make an outstanding left side partnership. Now we've also got Dane Gagai returning to the club. He's going to line up at right centre rather than left centre, where he did for the Rabbitohs. And last time Gagai was at the club, we saw... They were languishing at the foot of the ladder. Dane was still making the Queensland origin side as well and having some absolute blinders. Uh, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to translate that to his performances for the Knights. And that was more due to the team around him as well. Well, now Dane Gago comes back to the club. He was one of the best centers for triassists last season. I think he was second only to Matt Burton. So he's got his attacking play down pat. One thing I will say about Dane Gagai on the right side as compared to the left, I know it's more his more natural side, but I really do worry about him defensively there. Now, last season, a game I do remember, one of the few games Gagai played at right center for the Rabbitohs last year was up against the Storm, and that was the game where Josh Adokar scored six tries. Now, Josh Adokar was on the left. He was attacking Gagai's side of the field, and although Gagai was the center and Adokar was the winger, a lot of those reads were down to Gagai and his winger, a bit of miscommunication. I think seeing Gagai back on that right side as well 
It does make me a little bit concerned. I know he's an elite player, one of the best centers in the game, uh, but I do have question marks on that. I think the Knights, that right side defense could definitely be a target for attacking teams. Uh, and yeah, we don't know really how Bradman Best and Inari Tuwala have improved because they did quite well last season in their limited time together because Bradman Best had a lot of injuries and such, which I also think affected his defensive performances. But yeah, just a little question mark next to Dane Gagai at right center. I know that's a bit of a laugh because he's a Queensland origin center, uh, one of the best, you know, centers in the game. But I do have question marks. They also have Mitchell Pierce leaving. He's already gone to the Catalans Dragons in the Super League. That is a huge loss, a huge loss. We've seen stats of how the Knights lose so much without him and then they'd win so much with him. He was such an integral part to the team. And I know that he's not the be-all and end-all, but he was one of the best halfbacks in the competition. He was kind of that icing on the cake of a great Newcastle side. And now without him, their halves depth does look a little bit slim. I know they've got some guys coming through the ranks, but you can't exactly rely on these young prospects to get you into the top eight and ultimately push for the premiership. So now it is Adam Clune coming over from the Dragons and Jake Clifford, who came over from the Cowboys midway through last year. Clifford's been looking outstanding. He looked really good in the trial they played on the weekend. And he was actually a major part of the Knights' successful run last year, where they got a lot of wins coming toward finals. Uh, Clifford and Pierce, honestly, looked like the best combination. I was thinking, wow, aren't the Knights going to be a threat next season with these two? But Mitchell Pierce packed up and left. So Clifford, definitely the long-term half at Newcastle. And Adam Clune is probably an underrated halfback. He's pretty quality. He's a bit... He's faster than people think. He's faster than people think, definitely. He's got a quality kicking game, composure. He's got experience. Clune has spent a lot of time at the Illawarra Dragons New South Wales feeder club. I do even believe he won a premiership there as well at New South Wales Cup level. So he's been biding his time at the Dragons. He's been in and out of the squad. Obviously, Ben Hunt in front of him. Uh, but Adam Clune is now taking the Knights number seven jersey with both hands. He wants to be the option alongside Jake Clifford. And I'd say he will be because there aren't a lot of other options, to be honest. Now, another curious part about their squad is the dummy half. Now, Jaden Braley was absolutely their best. Best option was their captain last year. And coming into this season, if he had a cracking season, he was in the New South Wales Blues kind of realm. Definitely would be in the conversation should Damien Cook go down. So Jaden Braley, a season-ending injury. He will not take part in this season. And if he does, it'll be right at the back end. So you could not ask for a worse loss ahead of the season other than maybe Callum Ponga. But Jaden Braley was the rock for this side. Would play 80 minutes. Gave great service, and when Jaden Braley was on the field, the Knights looked significantly better. So he is an incredibly big loss for, the, for them. Sorry. Uh, and honestly, it has affected my prediction for their season and how it's going to go. Not too much, but definitely played a part. I think Jaden Braley is a significant loss. They do have Chris Randall, who's going to jump in there. He's the fittest player at the club. 
Really quality player as well, although they have different styles. So I'm happy to see Chris Randall get the go, but if he gets injured, all of a sudden, who do you put in, right? There, you can chuck a guy somewhat out of position, like a half into hooker. You could move Kurt Mann to hooker. But it seems like the person they've got behind Chris Randall is a youngster named Kobe Ruglis. Now, Ruglis was a star young footy player. I also believe, correct me if this, on this if I'm wrong, I believe he's a really outstanding boxing prospect as well, but had to make the decision between rugby league and boxing. He's chosen rugby league, position of choice, dummy half, so I think we're going to see Kobe Ruglis get a go in the NRL this year. He was close to being my one to watch, but I don't believe he's in the top 30 squad, but if Chris Randall does get injured, then they will be able to bring him in because of the rule. Uh, they have this, they're the same position, and I don't think the Knights really have anyone else. There might be someone that I, I don't know about, but other than Ruglis and Chris Randall, those are the only real two that I can see playing number nine that are natural number nine. So that in itself is a massive worry for the Knights for mine. They're one injury away from having to chuck in an untested youngster yet to play NRL, and that's your first choice nine for the season. So Chris Randall is super durable. I don't think he will get injured, but yeah, it, it is a massive danger sign for such a crucial position like dummy half to kind of have so many question marks around it. I'll move on now, and Kurt Mann, as I said, he could be an option to slot in at dummy half if need be. But he has been a revelation since moving to Locke. We saw him play his first game there in the trials up against the Bulldogs. But he's also played as a middle forward in the past off the bench for the Dragons. But I love this. I think Kurt Mann, his best position, probably 5'8". He'd been played in the back line quite a bit. Spent last year playing in the centres. But Locke is perfect. I was wondering how they were kind of going to replace Connor Watson because that is such a big loss. And Kerpman is a very like-for-like -like player. He looked really good too. He was the first receiver on a hell of a lot of occasions on the trial on the weekend. So it looks like Kerpman is going to be a real integral part of the Knights' attack. And he's kind of going to be that middleman, that link. Someone like Victor Radley plays that perfectly for the Roosters. Well, the Knights are looking for their own link man. And Kerpman, he is that man. Uh, no pun intended, they are looking for their man, and they have found him in Kurt. So he's stepped up big time into the lock forward position, and I think that's a great role for Kurt Mann. He's such a utility player where it's like, what's his best position? Well, now all of a sudden, with the modern day lock and the requirements kind of changing for what's required from a lock forward and kind of what they look like, well, Kurt Mann actually kind of makes the perfect modern day lock. So... I think it's a masterstroke to move him into that position. You give yourself an extra playmaker. He's pretty speedy too, so he can back up and be in support for any offloads. And he's pretty handy. He's defended in the middle before. And I'm sure he'll be in the gym if he's playing in the middle, just putting on that extra little bit of size. So that was a note I made for the Newcastle Knights. I love that as a positional switch. Kurtman at lock. Love it. That gets a big green tick for mine. Now, last season, Newcastle finished 7th, and they were bundled out of the finals in Week 1 by the Parramatta Eels, so they really haven't made a dint in the finals for years. The last time they had a significant finals kind of win was when Wayne Bennett was at the club. Kevin Nagama came in that game. I think they beat the Storm. 
Uh, and that was when they had kind of an aging roster like Jeremy Smith and the likes. I think Bo Scott may have been there. So that was the last time that, that the Knights had like a significant, meaningful finals win. And they really need to get back there this year and give a better account of themselves. They need to be improving. That's kind of the goal. Well, last year you made the eight. The year before that you made the eight. Anything other than making the top eight, I guess, is a regression and can be counted as a failure. So really big season for the Knights because it is not going to be easy. A lot of the sides below them have improved significantly and a lot of the sides above them seem to just be getting better. So the Knights need to continue to improve and it's going to be a really interesting season, especially with the loss of Jaden Braley. Now on the weekend, they had the 16-all draw in the trial with the Bulldogs. Don't read into trial results too much. The second half was pretty much all Jersey Flegg and New South Wales Cup level players. But in the first half, the Knights were up 16-0 or 10-0. Or I think it was 16-0. I can't remember the exact score, but the Knights went up easy and very early. So that was their first grade squad. I know the dog squad wasn't their complete first grade squad, but when their two first grade sides were out there, the Knights were blowing the Bulldogs off the park. Tries to Jake Clifford, their long-term half. Jaira Momoisia, who is a young back rower, played three games for them off the bench last year. I think he's going to build on that. Their forward depth is not one of the stronger ones in the competition as well. That's just solely my opinion. Uh, but Momoisia, he's got an opportunity now to try and crack a bench spot. His preferred position is second row. So he is going to have a bit of competition in the likes of Mitch Barnett, Tyson Frizzell, Brody Jones, who went really well last year, and Lachlan Fitzgibbon. So plenty of back rowers at the club, not to mention Jack Johns, son the Maddie. So plenty of back rowers fighting for only a couple of positions in that best 17. Mosea gave a great account of himself on the weekend, and he can definitely consider himself a contender for a spot in that best 17. Now, in terms of the stats, the leading Knights tackler was Matt Croker, who, of course, does the 257 Collective, I believe it's called. I actually don't listen, I haven't listened to it. Uh, podcast with Kellen Ponga and Connor Watson. Now, Matt Croker, I think he's played one game of NRL, but he's been pushing for a while. He was actually one of their standout juniors that they really had high hopes for, so they've taken time to kind of bring him along, as I said the forward depth at the Knights, in my opinion, my opinion only, is not as strong as most of the other clubs in the competition. So that leaves Matt Croker with a great opportunity to really push forward and try and get himself into either the best 17 or at least, you know, thereabouts, the best 21. And then when the injury, suspension, COVID disruptions, there are going to be plenty of chances. And Matt Croker looks like he's going to be there to take them with both hands. 27 tackles on the weekend, really quality effort from Matt in defense. And in that trial, the Knights' best meter eater, David Clemmer. The big dog ran for 100 meters, and Clemmer also notched a try assist for his slick playmaking role in sending Momo Sia crashing over the line for a try. Really quality from David Clemmer, he took it up to the line, usually just known for his big tough hit-ups. That's what the defense were expecting. And as soon as the ball touched Clem's hands, he just shifted it on beautifully to the left for Moimosia to cross over. So it looks like Clemmer has added a new aspect to his game in a bid to wrestle back that starting front row position because toward the back end of last year, Clemmer was playing off the bench. And just from knowing Dave and the way he plays, not personally, 
actually, so I don't know him. Uh, but just knowing what Dave seems to be like and my perception, I don't think he's going to want to be playing off the bench. I think he sees himself as a starting front row, so he's going to be looking to jostle back that position from Jacob Saifidi because I don't think Daniel Saifidi is going to lose his spot. But now all of a sudden, Jacob's playing so damn well as well. Like, how do you take either of the Saifidi twins out? But David Clemmer, that's a headache for Adam O'Brien to enjoy because now David Clemmer is standing up. He's saying, I should be the premier front rower alongside Daniel. Uh, so it's going to be a real good battle between Clem and the two Saifidi brothers as to who get those starting jerseys and which one of them plays as the impact player off the bench. Also, when I was talking about who scored the tries for the Knights earlier, I said Clifford. Moimoisia, uh, the third try scorer was the young Englishman I talked about a little bit earlier in Dominic Young. There are raps on him. Apparently he was just a gun, a gun when he was playing in England in the younger grades and stuff. I think he may have played Super League a couple of times. I'm not too sure. He's still very young, but he was one in England. They were like, this kid could be the next big thing. That's why he's been brought over to the NRL with such high raps on him. He did get over the try line, so good on him he definitely should get a few more games of NRL this year but I wasn't quite prepared to put him as my one to watch but he did get over the try line on the weekend so it was a really quality first half from the Knights that was backed up by a very ordinary second Newcastle definitely have some work to do and the season is fast approaching so they've only got one more trial and then a week at training to try and get themselves right before they have to start their season Speaking of their season as well, what I do in most of my podcasts, I go through the first 10 games of the season. Now, obviously the first 10 games of the draw don't decide where you finish on the ladder, but I think starts, especially with a COVID disrupted potentially season, I think starts are very important this year. So I'm just taking a look at the first 10 games for each team to try and get a little bit of a gauge as to how they may start the season, or at least kind of the difficulty of their draw to start the season. We start the night's season at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Could you get a much harder test than the Sydney Roosters away from home in round one? Luckily for the Knights, it doesn't look like Luke Carey is going to play. You may be thinking, ah, oh, sweet, what a good result. Yeah, the Roosters are probably just fucking throw Joey Manu into 5-8. Equally as dangerous. Oh, but that's going to leave them short a centre. Uh, maybe they could choose Paul Momorowski, Premiership's winning centre at the Panthers last year. Maybe they could chuck in Kevin Naguama. Three time in a row, back to back to back, Premiership winner with St. Helens in the Super League. So I think the Roosters are going to be okay. Uh, and that's actually really dangerous. If we see Joey Manu in 5-8 for round one, I, I think the Knights could be in some trouble. They hopefully can use their forward pack to outmuscle the Roosters, but gee whiz, you got a lot of players to contain, the likes of Sam Walker, the likes of James Tedesco, Joey Manu, Daniel Tupo, one of the most underrated and quality wingers in the competition. Uh, who's on the right wing? Oh yeah, Joseph, Joseph Suwali. Supposedly he's going to be in the starting lineup. You know, that superstar kid that the media literally shit their pants over for like so long and like I would, I would say rightly so because he looks like he's going to be a special talent but honestly the media shit is a bit ridiculous it's like you know how many articles can you write about a kid it's like when Jared Hayne went to the NFL oh my god and like when Israel Folau did his thing did that thing that he did like the media just pump it out because they know everyone's going to argue about this shit 
And yeah, they just throw that out there, try and get the clicks. Well, now the latest thing has been using this 17 year old kid to try and garner attention, seeing all these articles about him. I remember in the trials last year when he made that first appearance for the North Sydney Bears, like the commentators literally sound like they're about to come. They're just like, oh my God, oh my God. Not that even the commentators really, like to be honest, they are the ones who kind of, or at least some of them have a better rap on it. But the media are like, yeah, it's just a bit ridiculous. Like this kid was 17, he's 18 this year, but he does look like an absolute gun. So that's a really formidable Roosters backline, not to even mention their forwards, Victor Radley, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, Daniel Fafita looks like he's improved out of sight. They've got Lindsay Collins coming back, Angus Crichton, the most organic man in the NRL, like, and one of the best back rowers, if not the best back rower, Satili Tupaniwa. He, I kind of butchered that, didn't I? But he's a really great young back rower. You've got the Butcher Brothers. You've got Connor Watson. So he's actually going to be playing the Knights in round one. And I think the Roosters will have too much for the Knights. But we'll wait and see. We will wait and see. Now, following that, the Knights have the Tigers at home. I predicted Tigers to come last this season. So, hey, let's say the Knights win that and go one and one to start the season. After that, though... Could the Roosters be the hardest test? Uh, I don't know. Maybe try the Panthers at Bathurst. Thank fuck for the Knights. It's not at Pepper Stadium or whatever freaking stupid-ass sponsor name they have for it now, like Bluebet or whatever. But in Bathurst, the Knights are going to have to take on the Panthers. The reigning premiers, they'll have two matches under their belt as well. They looked unreal with their second-string squad in the trials on the weekend too. So that is two incredibly hard games. Probably two of the three hardest games alongside the Storm that you can get in the competition. And the Knights have got them first up in their first three games. And both of those games are away from home as well. So they're not even going to have their home faithful cheering them on. So a really tough draw to start for the Knights. Then they'll be taking on the Sharks away from home. That is another incredibly hard game. So very hard start for the Knights. Following that, they will take on the Seagulls at McDonald Jones Stadium. And for a home game, that's still incredibly hard. If Tom Trebojevic is fit and healthy, and most of those Seagulls players are, then Newcastle, those first five games, so far in the season previews I've done, I think that's the hardest start. Now, I could be forgetting something, but that is the hardest first five games I have seen a team have on their draw for this season. Their next five won't be that much easier either. They'll be taking on the Dragons away from home. I think the Dragons are in for an incredible season. I predicted them to come 11th, but I think they're on their way to becoming like a top four really serious contender for the Premiership in the next two or three years. Then the Eels at home for the Knights. Another really tough game. If the Eels show up anywhere near their best, they should get the win there. Storm at home for the Knights in round eight. Another... Incredibly hard game. Then the Cowboys in Townsville. So even your easier games are kind of hard because you've got to travel to Townsville. And then it'll be the Bulldogs in Magic Round. who They looked a lot better than in the first half of their trial on the weekend. Uh, but the Bulldogs have improved a lot as well. They look a lot better with Matt Dufty at fullback. I'll tell you that much for free. Matt Burton's going to be in the number six should he be healthy. So that's going to be a really interesting Magic Round clash. And to be honest, I think... The two of the three of their easier games in their first 10 
uh, in rounds 9 and 10. So I think the Newcastle Knights are in for a hugely testing season. And if they can't get away from the start of the season with more wins than losses or even slightly less wins than losses, then I think they could be in real trouble. If they lose, say, seven games in this first 10, which I can definitely see them doing, then all of a sudden you're right down toward the bottom of the ladder. We don't know how their injuries will hold up. What if their dummy half's gone down and they're already down to their third string? Uh, so I'm actually very concerned about the Knights. I do hope they can prove me wrong and have a cracking start and get everyone talking about, wow, Newcastle look like the real deal this season, but I gotta make predictions, I gotta, you know, do my previews. And right now, my honest opinion, I, it doesn't look good in my opinion for the Knights. I don't see a great deal of success coming for them this season. And I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong, but I just, I can't see the Knights. I'll say it, I don't think they're gonna make the top eight. Now they did last year. They've got building blocks, they've got Kellen Ponga, they've got the Saifidis, they've got Bradman Best, they've got Dane Gagai coming back, Tyson Frizzell. I'm gonna say it, I don't think they're gonna make the top eight. Big whoop, I am sure they are devastated when they hear that I don't have them in the eight. They're probably gonna be like, what's the point of even playing then? What's the point of even lacing up a boot? Mick has said he doesn't think we're going to make the eight. Let's just call it, boys. But that's my opinion. Now, before I get on to the prediction, I'm going to jump into the gains and losses now. Who's left the club this season and who have the Knights brought in to try and get themselves into that premiership window, which they kind of are in now with the Saifides and Kalen Ponga, but who have they brought in to really try and take them to that next level from bottom of the top eight to maybe pushing for the top four? Alrighty, so the Knights actually only have two gains in terms of notable signings. They have brought over Dane Gagai from the Rabbitohs, fresh off the grand final loss. Uh, back to the club as well, he came over as a really bright prospect that had a bit of trouble. I think he got sacked from Brisbane, ended up at the Knights, made a great career for himself, and now Dane Gagai is back with the aim of this time being part of a hugely new car, a hugely successful, my apologies, a hugely successful Newcastle side. The second signing, I've already spoken a little bit about him. He is the halfback Adam Clune, looking to make that Newcastle number seven jersey his own and working alongside the great Andrew Johns. So if there's a better bloke that could teach you how to be the Newcastle's leading halfback, I'd love to hear, because honestly, you can't get any better than Andrew Johns himself, Joey. So Adam Clune has a great opportunity now to really showcase himself as an NRL number seven full time. Now the Knights have actually lost a few more guys than they've gained. Mitchell Pierce has gone over to France. Connor Watson to the Roosters, huge loss. Josh King, who was a part of their best 17 consistently off the bench. The young prop has signed with the Storm. Gahamat Shibasaki has gone to Japanese Rugby Union. Blake Green has retired. And Stafford Toa, right before the season starts, right before the preseason really got underway or midway through, Stafford Toa left the Knights. He has signed with the West Tigers. So that's a big loss. Not a huge loss, but I thought Stafford Toa was definitely right in the mix for the first grade wing spot. Uh, but it looks like they can afford to lose him. So now I'm going to jump into the top 30 
and who's in the top 30 squad for the Knights, as well as their development list. So I'll start with their development list with Christian Mapalangi, or Mapapalangi. He is a young 5'8", played in the centres last year at New South Wales Cup level. He'll be looking to make his NRL debut this year if he's called upon. They've also got Leo Thompson, who is a rugby union convert, spent some time at the Canberra Raiders. He now comes over to the Newcastle Knights, and Leo Thompson, the young prop, joins their development list. The final player rounding out the Knights' development list is Chris Vialia, or Viela. He is a young centre. I haven't actually seen him play, so I don't have a lot to comment. So now I'll jump through the Knights' top 30, starting with Mitchell Barnett, quality forward. He brings that kind of mongrel that they need, and I really like the way that Mitchell Barnett plays the game. Bradman Best, one of the best young centres in the game, no pun intended. And if he can hit his top form this year consistently, then he will definitely be in the mix when it comes to origin time. I think Brad Fittler would definitely have an eye on Bradman Best, but there are a couple of guys in front of him at this stage for that Blues centre jersey. Jaden Braley, as I said, out for the season. Really big loss. I think that is going to hurt the Knights big time. Jake Clifford, great long-term half. Adam Clune, spoke about him. Phoenix Crossland, off contract this year. He's a young half, been coming through their system for a little while now, the Kiwi. Uh, I heard whispers that they were training him to be playing as a middle forward slash lock slash bench utility this season. Uh, so I'm really interested to see Phoenix Crossland and what his 2022 season holds. They've got Lachlan Fitzgibbon, young back row, he's been around for a little bit now. Tyson Frizzell, great player, exceptional guy to have in your forward pack. Dane Gago returning to the club. Bailey Hodgson, young fullback, my one to watch for the Knights. Heimel Hunt, presumably he will nail down that starting wing spot out on the right wing. Uh, I can't see any reason as to why he won't start the year in the Knights' best 17. Jack Johns, looking to improve on last year and hopefully become a major part of their forward rotation. Brody Jones, coming off a standout year, will be looking to improve. Jacob Kuras, I believe he signed to the Bulldogs. He's listed here in their top 30, but I'd heard that he'd signed with the Bulldogs, so maybe the Kuras will make way for someone else. David Clemmer, talked about him a bit earlier. Kurt Mann, love the move to Locke. Jarrah Moimosia, he is out for a big season. I think he's going to be looking to nail down a spot on the bench. And yeah, I think he can build on his quality season last year. And he scored a try in the trial, so looks like he's putting his best foot forward to try and get himself included in the best 17. Braden Musgrove, centre slash winger. I think he prefers to play on the wing. Kellen Ponga, my X-Factor player. Chris Randall, looking to be the first choice hooker for the Knights this year. Huge year for Chris Randall. Daniel Saifidi signed long-term. He's going to be at the club for pretty much his whole career, if not his whole career. So Daniel Saifidi and Jacob Saifidi, his brother, they are the two pillars of this Ford pack. Simi Sasagi, he is a young half, has made his NRL debut. I think he played in the centers and he also played in the nines a few years ago. So Simi Sasagi is another option in the halves. Uh, I've heard high raps on him. I'm not sure exactly whether he's the guy who's going to be getting them enough wins to qualify for finals, but he's a young star and I'm sure we'll see him play a few games this season. Pasami Solo looking to jump into their forward rotation for the first grade squad, young prop. 
Suaso Su, young Ford off contract this year. Not a young Ford, actually. Sorry, he's a veteran Ford. He's not young. He has been around. He's not old, but he's been around for a hot minute. Uh, yeah, definitely not a young Ford, Suaso Su. Uh, Inari Tuala spoke about him. And rounding out the Knights top 30, we have Dominic Young, the young English center slash winger. So that's the Knights top 30 and their gains and losses and everything else, which can only lead me to one last thing. And that is my prediction for the Knights this season. Now, as I said, I don't have them in the top eight. Hopefully, if you're a Knights fan, they can prove me very, very wrong. I think there's potential that they could make me look stupid, very stupid. Uh, Not that I'm doing a bad job at that myself. And yeah, I can definitely see the Knights having a cracking season, but I had to make a prediction for every single team. And when it came down to it, I have the Newcastle Knights finishing in 13th place. So I spaced that one out for you Knights fans, just so it wouldn't, you know, hurt so much. I'm sure you guys are so devastated that I have said this because... Yeah, it carries a lot of weight. It is the most serious and most legitimate prediction you will get. So yeah, I'm sure it is very devastating that I've kind of fucked your team like this. But that's where I have them. Newcastle Knights, I think they are going to be the big kind of droppers of this season, dropping down the ladder. I have Knights finishing in 13th place. Why is that? That's the depth of players, as I spoke about. I don't think their roster goes as deep. As some of the more quality ones in the competition and if there are a few injuries suspensions and or COVID complications then I simply just don't have faith in the Knights stocks to pass the test so that's no disrespect to their squad I just feel though if there's gonna be one team from last year's top eight that dips pretty hard it's going to be Newcastle I think Mitchell Pearce is a huge loss. They're one Callan Ponga injury away from what could be a total disaster. Same with the Saifidi twins. Like, there's a couple of guys. You take a couple of those really quality players out of their squad, and I think there's potential for the Knights to struggle, especially when you look at how difficult the first 10 games of their season are going to be. So hopefully they go significantly better than I'm predicting. But right now, very close to the season, I have seven predictions, seven previews, in seven days and then it is pretty much time to kick off the season it'll be time to start my weekly preview for the rounds uh so it's time to get it out there i have the knights in 13th the season is fast approaching that's where i have them 13th bloody hell pretty bad isn't it pretty bad i think i may have had the bulldogs finish either the bulldogs or the broncos i think i had the broncos finishing higher so Sorry, Knights fans, 13th place for me. It's a bit of a bold call, but I am sticking by it. In my opinion, Jaden Braley is going to prove an immensely costly loss. So is Mitchell Pierce, and they lose another couple of guys, and I just don't see the Knights really giving the top teams in the competition a go. And it's going to be up to them to beat some of the teams, like the Bulldogs, the Tigers, the Cowboys, teams that they should be beating. These are going to be really crucial games because... I struggle to see a Knights squad that is consistently toppling the better teams, the teams higher up in the top eight. I hope they prove me wrong. I never want to wish negative upon anyone or any... I, that's not true. I, not true. Uh, but I never want to wish negative upon a team or things like that or just unnecessary negativity. 
but I had to make a prediction, so Knights in 13th place. So with one last apology for Knights fans for, yeah, really just bringing such a negative energy into your day or night, uh, that is it, 13th place. That's my Knights podcast, sorry. Up next, though, we have the Parramatta Eels, so if you like the Eels, hopefully they finish higher than 13th. Uh, I've already predicted 14th, 15th, and 16th, so... Spoiler alert, I don't have the Eels finishing lower than 13th, but do I have them in my 8? I do, because I'm pretty sure now with the Knights, that completes my bottom 8. 16th, I had the Tigers. 15th, Cowboys. I can't remember whether it was 14th or 12th. The Broncos and Bulldogs, they're in 14th and 12th, respectively. I think I did the Broncos in 12th. Uh, in 13th, the Knights. 11th, the Dragons, 10th, the Raiders, and 9th, a very bold call, uh, the Sharks. I've put the Sharks in 9th. Was it to be super biased and find a space in the top 8 for my Warriors? Yes, it was. If I literally had to take someone out to get them in there. So, full disclosure, the Sharks heading into this were a top 8 team for mine, but I put them in 9th. Did I put my Warriors in 5th place? Yes. Was that super realistic? Probably not. Do I think they can do it? Absolutely. I do. I do think they can come in 5th. But they went from being outside of my 8 to being inside to trying to take someone out to fit them in into 5th place. So yeah, work that one out. But they are my team, so I'm backing the Warriors in for 5th. The Knights aren't my team. Sorry, if they were, I would have probably found a place for them. Uh, but the place I have found is at the crappy end of the ladder. Sorry about it. But as I said, seven season previews in seven days. So let's wrap this night's one up. I don't need to bring any more negativity into your Knights fans' lives, even though you've probably switched off once I told you my prediction. So let's look forward now to tomorrow, where I am going to release my Parramatta Eels season preview. Plenty to get through in that one, including who's going to line up on the left wing with the injury to Hayes Dunster for the season and Micah Sivo, of course, being out. But we'll save all that juicy chat for tomorrow, shall we? So again, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you've been liking the NRL content, chuck us a follow on Instagram at notjustasportsreport. You'll be able to see all the new content. I'm going to be posting movie reviews, all sorts. And there are going to be other things that are not just the podcast. Actual posts, engaging posts, questions like that. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of fun things happening. The best way to stay up to date with Not Just The Sports Report is on Instagram at Not Just The Sports Report. And do not forget, if you've enjoyed this, to follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you especially loved it, if you hate the Knights and you're like, that was awesome, I love that, I hate the Knights, well, rate it five stars. If you're a Knights fan, please don't rate it one star because of my prediction, but I'll understand if you do, sorry for sliding your team. But hey, if you are a Knights fan, at not just a sports report on Instagram, when you guys do really well this season, feel free to send me a message and be like, you're a dumbass, I will happily own it. But yeah, wait until they've done it, because if they don't, I'ma come in your inbox like I fucking told you so. Nah, I'm not. But that's it. Let's move on before I talk too much shit. Knights in 13th place. Parramatta Eels up next, not just a sports report on Instagram, follow us on podcast platforms, I can't speak English, and until next time, take care.